This is Dr. Jacqueline Duget, and you're listening to What is Black Podcast, where we have conversations about raising African-American children and the intersection of race, culture, and identity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our discussion about um, raising kids and the, and the discussion about corporal punishment. I have two special guests with me today. I have um, pediatricians Dr. Michelle Ogle and Dr. Shante um, Buffington um, joining us this evening. So welcome, Dr. Ogle and Dr. Buffington. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure. I had mentioned um, earlier that this is a part two of, the, of a conversation um, part one of the conversation, I had the opportunity to speak with um, Dr. Stacy Patton, who's a historian, who's, who's a, very much an advocate um, against corporal punishment. Um, she talks about the historical context of corporal punishment and thoughts that there are alternatives and works to try to advocate for alternatives to corporal punishment. Now, the AAP policy statement came out in November, and as part of the AAP, it was, it was just very interesting and intriguing some of the reactions to the, to this, to the policy statement, effective discipline to raise healthy children. And I wanted an opportunity, because I think it's such an important, important issue in the African-American community. I think in a lot of communities, because I think the data shows that most parents, um, racial, ethnic, Racial, different racial ethnic groups do do favor or or think that spanking is an alternative is it is an acceptable disciplinary alternative, whereas the AAP definitely says it's not they're not supportive of corporal punishment. So I kind of wanted to have that discussion. So be, so before we actually get into the discussion, I just wanted um, Dr. Ogle and Dr. Buffington to give you an opportunity to sort of share your background um, for our listeners. Um, well, just for my background, um, I am a mother of three adult children. I have a 24-year-old son uh, who's an attorney. I have a 22-year-old daughter who just graduated from Boston University. And I have a just-turned-21-year-old son who's a computer science major at Clemson University. So um, I've gone through the whole, you know, gamut with raising children. I primarily provide care for um, adolescents and young adults with HIV. I don't take care of small children in the general pediatric practice anymore. I totally um, focus my career on young uh, adolescent and youth at risk uh, living with HIV, which also includes young LGBTQ kids um, and uh, trans kids as well. So that's sort of the the background um, I'm coming from. My husband is also a physician. He is from Guyana. Um, so we sort of have two different upbringings, but when, when you know, as we talked during our conversation, if I would, we're brought up very much the same, even though we're from different, different countries, we were brought up very much the same. So that's pretty much me in a, in a nutshell. And I am also a mother. I have two children. And I've been married for almost 20 years. My husband's not a physician. He's normal. Um, I have a 13-year-old <laughs> and an 8-year-old. And um, we are kind of a East Coast, West Coast family. So um, I was raised in Atlanta, but did all of my training on the West Coast, which there's a lot of, we can get into that later, but 
viewpoints differ from coast to coast. So I had to learn a lot of different cultural aspects to um, discipline and raising kids and eating and all kinds of things. Um, so by, by training, I, I probably have a very Californian viewpoint, but at my roots, I'm a Southerner. My husband's a Californian. So uh, it's interesting also that even though we are from different coasts, we have very similar modes of disciplining. So um, mm-hmm. it, um, that's just kind of one of those things where it's like, hmm, you grew up with this very liberal viewpoint, but yet and still we, uh, we, we kind of agree on, on that in particular. Okay. Thank you for, for sharing that. So I'd really like to get into the conversation. Um, one of my first questions was what, what were your reactions to the updated um, policy statement? Well, usually I ignore pretty much <laughs> any thread that comes through. I, I will be a very observant reader on the outside, but I usually don't have a lot of input to put into those multi-threads. But the more I, I read and the more I read the link, I, I think I was somewhat infuriated as a parent um, to read maybe what someone else, someone else's perspective of an entire group of people would be like. Um, and so I felt compelled to respond, even though it put my name out there and everything else. I, I just felt like there were things that were not being said in that policy and that email thread. And I felt like it only reflected a very a, 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 the majority maybe of the country, but it, it leaped out a lot of a lot of things that were not being discussed in the policy statement. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna uh, also add on to that in saying I had a couple of responses. One was who made the decision that um, corporal punishment was bad. And how did you come up with such a broad policy statement? And it's not just that it says corporal punishment. The statement is so broad and what it considers corporal punishment, Uh, you know, uh, yelling at a child, shaming a child, um, of course, hitting them, tapping them, pinching them. If you try to get them to do something out of their norm, so for example, if if one of my Forms of discipline may be to get a kid to do 30 push-ups. Well, if you can only do 10, then I'm I'm being abusive, and as a form of corporal punishment, if I'm trying to make a child do something out of what they may normally do. And so, like Dr. Buffington, I felt that the way this policy was worded and the way it was being um, viewed was that a whole culture of people. And I'll just, you know, be quite blunt. It it read to me like, you know, so black and brown people, your children have problems. And the reason why your children have all these problems is because of the way you discipline them. And And I think at that point it was very, very infuriating as a parent, as a pediatrician, as an African American woman, um, that our whole entire culture had been reduced to you guys beat your kids, that's why they're the way they are. And I felt a lot of nuances um, in the way we raise our children and the combinations of forms that we use in disciplining our children was just totally left out of the equation, and somehow this became a black parent. You're doing this wrong, and this is 
I think it sort of brought up historical uh, context to blaming blaming a culture, blaming black people for you know your plight. And I also I also felt like there were certain things that were said, particularly in the article that that was that that referenced the AAP policy that were completely mm-hmm. taken out of context. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Statements such as "You're going to get a whooping." Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up in the South. Uh, Grandpa would get a switch off a tree, a little twig, and tap you. Um, that was a whooping. But you you also may have gotten a tap with an open hand. That was also a whooping. So it's like, well, you can't take statements like that and attribute it all to abuse and say that that if you if this happens and your children are going to have low IQs and low self-esteem, uh, truth be told, I was spanked. My husband was spanked. My husband's a, uh, an IT engineer. I'm a pediatrician, and I don't think I had low self-esteem because my, my mom spanked me. Now, she didn't spank me for every single thing, and that's the other part that completely got left out in a policy. Like, when are black parents spanking? When are people spanking their children? Now, unlike mm-hmm. Michelle, I do take care of young children, and I've done it in private practice. And I've done it, and now I've, I'm in a, ver- in a rural, a very poor rural area. I chose to come here. And I've also done mm-hmm. it on a university campus. So I've seen this play out in many different socioeconomic and racial uh, demographics. And I can tell you that more parents spank than they are willing to admit. But in, yes. in that room, when you close the door, oftentimes a parent will tell you um, yeah, I had to resort to spanking him. And you know what, Dr. Buffington, that worked, but don't tell fill in the blank. In Georgia, corporal punishment is not as a CPS or a defects reportable offense. And in many other states, it's not either. And some mm-hmm. of these children need something more corrective than timeout. So I, I personally think there, there are so many aspects to that policy that were not discussed. Now, it's interesting, you know, that you brought up um, those, those, those reactions. And I can, I can definitely, I could feel that, feel that as well, um, personally. And I even know, talk with my husband, who's a, non, who's a non-physician. And he sort of had the same, same, same take that you all have, have, um, have shared, some of the same, same opinions, which I, found, which I found interesting. So I also have older children. I have a 20-year-old now. Um, and I have a 17-year-old, so I'm almost on the other side um, with adult, mm-hmm. saying I have both adult children. And I did, I mean, I, I did spank them when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. but, you know, but, but I think what's interesting is there's really no, there is no, there are no parameters for, for this, this discipline, right? I think, I mean, I think when, when I was trained, there was like there was no training about talking to parents about spanking, and I think over time there was an evolution about, you know, using timeouts and trying other other ways to sort of using non-spanking ways. But then there were times where like, well, let me try spanking. But then it got to a point where it either worked for one kid or it didn't work for the other, yep. and then you kind of mm-hmm. as they grow developmentally. So so I'm wondering how you mm-hmm. feel about that as well. Like you mm-hmm. said, there's there's not really this this deep dive into um, what, what really is spanking versus whipping versus 
yelling at your kid because I'm like, oh, I yell at my kids. I yelled at my kids quite often. So it's like, well, I would have, that would have been corporal punishment. So that's also very interesting. Exactly. Right? So, um, so, <laughs> so I actually, I, I mean, I am in total agreement with, with what's been said. Um, but I want to kind of just broaden this conversation just a little bit because what I think also what probably got under my skin was that there are many forms of parenting. You know, there are mm-hmm. many different parenting styles, many different ways people raise their their kids. And and to single out and say, well, corporal punishment, we're going to focus on that and tell you how bad that is because um, majority of, uh, of black families, or and I, I agree with Dr. Buffington, more people spank their kids than they admit because they don't want to be seen as bad parents or have their kids taken away from them. Um, but there are several different parenting styles, and not all parenting styles work for each type of parent, and not all of those styles work for each kid. And so there are other forms of parenting that I think is just as um, bad uh, mm-hmm. for kids and, and has bad outcomes as people want to say corporal punishment is. So there's the helicopter parents, there's the permissive parents, and people don't often talk about data that shows uh, that permissive parenting, there are actually a lot of cons to that and how Mm -hmm. that often results in kids having low self-esteem, the ability to to regulate their behavior and so on. So I I just took it a little bit personal that we picked on, we, we decided this particular form of parenting was so bad and so toxic and so caustic that the American Academy of Pediatrics had to come out with this blanket statement and deem all parents who use any form of corporal punishment as bad parents. I also agree with the nuances. Um, You know, all three of my children have three different personalities, require three different forms of parenting at different times. And, you know, sometimes you might get a pop-pop. There were certain words that I wouldn't say to my kids because I felt the words were harsh. Like, I never said you were going to get slapped or I'm going to beat you. But, you know, my word was pop-pop. Um, I, you know, I felt it was sort of a nice way of saying you're going to get, you're going to get tapped here if, if you're not listening to what I'm saying. Each one of my kids responded to that differently. So that resp- required me to have a different response as well in terms of parenting. So I agree that the nuances of being a parent, having different children, having different parenting styles, none of that was taken into account when they made this broad, broad blanketed statement about how bad corporal punishment is. Now, as a, both of you, you know, pediatricians, how do, how do you feel this policy will be, you know, the, the translated into real practice? Because I'm just trying to figure out how... I think, that's, I think it's going to be interesting, right, because I think if, if as, and, I, and again, you know, we're not speaking for all African-American parents or black parents, right? I know right. we're speaking from our own that's personal right. experiences. So, you know, but that's always the one thing for me. It's like, how do things get translated, right? And then, and even talking with Dr. Um, Patton earlier, you know, she, she shared an article that she wrote and that the headline was, Can Pediatricians Convince Black Parents to Stop Spanking? 
Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was a very, very, you know, provocative, very provocative title, but very interesting. And, and I'm just wondering how, what are your thoughts about that? Because again, like you said, there are nuances to nuances, nuances to parenting and discipline styles, right? Cause we all bring to the table our experiences and they're informed by maybe how we were parented. And then I think we take some of our scientific knowledge and what we learn um, from residency and medical school, right? And bring that bring that to the table as well. But I'm, but again, it's kind of like how do you how do you even teach what what's okay spanking, what's not okay spanking? I think maybe that's also a big question too. But then also too, how do we really tell people to to stop doing something that's normative for them? Well, I it, I can tell you right now, it is not going to change anything I do in practice every day. Okay. And mm-hmm. part of the reason why is because of the population that I serve. Um, when it comes to just basic things like screen time and bottle use and nutrition, uh, we struggle. We we struggle as a as a group. I think on the lower socioeconomics, regardless of race, we struggle because we economically mm-hmm. struggle. We struggle from an from an educational uh, viewpoint also, but um, it probably won't change what I do because generally I don't recommend spanking anyway as mm-hmm. a first resort. Mm-hmm. And I think as a group of pediatricians, if you get a group of pediatricians together, most of them will say that they don't recommend spanking as a as a primary form of discipline. And guess what? Most people do not primarily spank. We're really talking about a very, very small group of individuals who immediately resort to that Mm -hmm. no matter what the offense is. Most of us will try some verbal correction. Um, Timeout works for one of my children, doesn't work for the other one. So I don't do that. (laughs) And so you have to figure out what works for for your child. And I often tell parents that anyway. You have five children, you may have five different discipline methods. So it's not going to change much of what I say, but there are some kids in my practice that I do recommend that the parent take some corrective measures with, and I do teach them how to do it. And if you want me to tell you what I tell them, I can tell you, but there's there's a way to do it without um, really harming your child, but being corrective and the whole purpose of discipline is love and correction. And and, and I agree with that. And I'm going to say, I agree. It doesn't, the statement doesn't um, in the broad picture affect um, what I would recommend to anyone. Again, I don't take care of small children anymore. Um, But even in my own um, practices as a parent, it wouldn't change one thing that I did um, with my kids. But I do want to also broaden this conversation again just a little bit because when people often do their research, and I still am never clear how they do the research and where they get all these numbers, but they, um, the researchers almost make it appear as though uh, what happens in a home where corporal punishment is used or kids are spanked is um, that, that parents come home, they're mad, they're out of control, they're depressed, or they had a bad day and they just come home and beat the life out of their kids. Um, That is clearly unacceptable. 
And that is clearly not what we're talking about when we're speaking of corporal punishment. I, I can guarantee you whenever I got spanked when I was, I knew exactly what I was in trouble for. Yep. I knew exactly what I had done. <laughs> and I knew that the response, it was definitely warranted because I had gone out of bounds. So, so I want to get away from this notion that people try to paint of parents who discipline their kids or who use corporal punishment that somehow or another we're all out of control and we don't know how to control ourselves and we just come home in the best way that we can, you know, deal with whatever pressures we have is just to beat our children. That is clearly abusive. And I don't know one pediatrician that would support that or um, think that that was a great way to raise kids. It's absolutely the wrong thing to do. And that is abusive. I also want to just kind of look in the broader spectrum of black parents and black children. Mm -hmm. If the people who made this statement, if the people who are really championing this statement were black men or raised black men, I might be able to kind of understand where, where they may be coming from. No one except a black man in this country or parents who raised black men in this country understand what we deal with on a daily basis with our kids, with our young men or our boys, and how they are perceived by larger society, how they are perceived by people um, of authority. And so we, some of the messages that we have to send to our kids and some of the ways that they may have to understand that message doesn't leave room for us to have time to negotiate or to teach them that we can go back and forth on this decision. I, I, you know, to, to just broaden it out a little bit, there is a difference and raising black children because society treats black children differently than they do white children with blonde hair and blue eyes. So in a way, I'm wondering, you know, based on what you're saying, do you think there's an opportunity then that the policy statement does provide in the sense that we could have that conversation about cultural context, right? Because I think, because I think that's, that's one piece, you know, that's really missing in this, in the policy statement. And, I, and again, it's, it's a general policy statement, so I know it was difficult to kind of tease out, you know, certain, you know, racial group, ethnic groups, um, social economic groups. Most of the policies have to be very general. But I'm just wondering, do you think there is an opportunity for the AAP to kind of look at how, you know, how this, how this, is, how this does get translated into certain communities, especially since we're talking about black families and also knowing that how people take it, right? I think historically, if, if a white doctor is, might be telling a whole population or, you know, what people might, you know, generalize and say they're telling a whole population, you're doing it wrong. People are going to perceive it as we're doing this wrong, but it's been working for us. How do you, do you, well, do you think there's an opportunity? Well, you know, I think the opportunity is um, the American Academy of Pediatrics have pediatricians who are black and brown mm -hmm. and um, who have experiences raising black and brown children. And we take care of the very population that they're trying to, you know, um, say, tell these parents that they're raising their kids wrong. I mean, like we're on we're out here actually in the community taking care of a lot of these kids. And I think to um, involve us 
you know, as a group in the discussion is appropriate. I think to try to understand the cultural nuances and raising our children is important when you make a blanketed statement like that. And basically what the American Academy of Pediatrics has said, and in, in Dr. Patton's article, it's, yeah, how, how do we get white privileged um, people who have no concept, really, of what we go through on a day-to-day basis in our homes, because I've made the point that even though we're, pedi- we're pediatricians or we take care of kids, that's our profession, we are still mothers, we're aunts, we're cousins, we have male relatives, and when we step out of our work environment, people don't look at me or look at my child and say, well, he's a young man, he's an attorney, or this mother is a pediatrician. They see us as black people. Mm-hmm. And they often see our boys as dangerous or threatening. So I think when you don't have that perspective, I, I think it would behoove the organization to try to understand that perspective before you make a blanketed statement that a whole group of people are somehow derelict in the way that they're raising their children. And, you know, let's be honest with other cultural practices. The AAP has written you know, editorials, articles, all kinds of things, cupping and coining. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mm-hmm. lots of practices that Hispanics have that maybe we don't understand, but um, mm-hmm. uh, we do have a, a better understanding because of these articles that were written. Um, I, I think I think the difference is that, and, and I don't know, you guys may disagree, sometimes we're not seen as a separate cultural group. We're part of... We're part of this nation, but then somehow we're not. So, like with the Native Americans and the cupping and coining, that's they're they're considered a cultural group. We're we're kind of not. We're considered a minority group, and when it's convenient, we're we're a cultural group. So I think it would be difficult to answer your question. It would be difficult because oftentimes we're seen as a group that needs to conform to the mainstream. And if we would just conform, then everything would just be okay. Um, and so I, th- I think it would be a struggle because then they would have to also, <laughs> they would have to also adjust their thinking on many other things that the AAP has essentially ignored uh, African-American or black black children. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. And I'm, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to agree that just make one other little quick point on that. Um, you know, I would like to see as much attention given to unarmed black teenagers being shot and killed by police. Yep. Um, yep. I, yeah. I, and, and I, I don't, you know, I don't see the articles. I mean, where's the Pew research study uh, that talks about the PTSD that we as a community, go through um, every time a young boy is shot in the back, um, shot because of what they were wearing, shot because they were misunderstood. So we carry that with us, and we, you know, by default, um, our kids have to carry it. Uh, for, and for us, us mothers and those listening to us that have, like, kids, we have to give our kids the talk. For me, as soon as my kids started driving, I had to make sure that I educated my sons how to behave if you're stopped by police. 
you, you, you know, all this, well, let's give children an opportunity to reason. They're not going to give you an opportunity to reason. They're not going to want to hear a word you say. They're not going to care what you say. So we give them a whole lecture on a posture that these young men must take. And even when they do it right, they still may end up dead. But people don't, I would like to really see the American Academy of Pediatrics. Let's talk about a research study on that and how that's affecting our community and how I may raise my son or if, why if my son is talking back when I tell him to stop talking and I've said it four times and then he's going to feel a pop somewhere, it's because you need to understand when I tell you to stop talking, you stop talking, it might save your life. Um, those are the kind of nuances that if you're not a parent of a black man, a black boy, a black girl, a black young woman, you may not understand that nuance and that message. Yeah, I think I think this is definitely a very very interesting topic. But I but I also agree with one of your statements earlier, Dr. Ogle, that I think the conversation really is is not solely about corporal punishment because, like you said, most pediatricians do not recommend as a first line of discipline to spank. Right. That's right. So. And then in terms of other parenting styles, I think even part of our anticipatory guidance, most of most pediatricians provide a kind of a spectrum of tips for parents, right, so that you don't get to that point. And, and it's interesting. I know in, in part one of this conversation, you know, Dr. Patton is, again, very much an advocate against corporal punishment and, you know, mm-hmm. and says, you know, says that this is violence against kids and there's this historical, this historical um, or this legacy for the African American community that you know we utilize, you know we utilize a form of discipline that was used by the slave master, right, and then sort of passed down over time. Mm-hmm. And and then again, I think some of the stresses that as African Americans we have, we sort of still bring that into into our parents, like because we still want to protect our kids, and it's like, all right, how do we protect our kids? So that, so that's what's also interesting to me as well, right? Like you said, it's that broader conversation because when there's when we talk about discipline, right? I think there 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 is an opening to then kind of delve into these other issues as well, looking at maybe other stresses that mom has or dad has or grandma has that maybe if they're choosing to do spanking first, right, as opposed to another, um, you know, having other tools in their toolbox and how to. So I'm just wondering your thoughts about that. Like, what are those opportunities you see as as pediatricians yourself, as pediatricians of color, um, to sort of, again, I think there are other opportunities um, for how we can help our, help our families and help inform them about their options, but at the same time also, like you said, very, very much um, we're aware of there are these external, the, you know, institutional racism just you know, straight up racism in general. How how that impacts um, the parenting and that whole discipline issue and how we love our children. Well, uh, I'll go uh, well, you know, well, again, you said a lot of stuff. I said a lot of stuff. Yeah, that, that that's, 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 that's you did, Well, I was well, I was going to narrow. Then maybe Dr. Buffington can can piggyback on that. Well, you know, I'd I'd like to again kind of bring it back to the, a, a main point. I think in all of what you brought up, our children are not raised in a vacuum. Um, our children are not just raised in our home. They have to interact with a uh, larger society. They have to interact with other people. And Dr. Buffington made the point, and I would totally agree with it, 
um, the, the, the message that we hear over and over as black Americans, as African Americans, is to just conform to our norms. Mm-hmm. If you just be more like this, then you're acceptable. Um, and, and I think that is a major problem uh, for the reason that she mentioned earlier. But I just want to add on to that. If um, teachers weren't like, more likely to suspend black children at two or three times the rate for the same activities that white children did, then I might um, feel differently about it. If black kids weren't shot for playing with toy guns, I might feel that there's something different we should do about it. If black teachers, I'm sorry, if teachers didn't treat black kids differently than they did white kids, I would say you, you have a point there. But the point, the larger point I'm trying to make is that there are external factors mm-hmm. that we don't have control over and that our, I feel my job with all three of my adult children now is to make sure that they understand how to live in the society that, that, that we're in. Um, you know, I would, I would love for it to be that, um, my kid would have the same opportunity to respond to a situation that another child would have and he would be treated the same, but that's not reality. So we can talk about what we would do or what are some of the things we could do. But my point is that there are external factors that we, you know, this is 2019 now, but we're still talking about um, the criminal justice system and how our kids and how our and black people are arrested and jail for offenses that are, uh, you know, white people um, would not be criminalized for. So, you know, I just want to go back to, I think that one of the places the academy can kind of help itself in trying to help us is to acknowledge it and, and, and understand the fact that we have issues that our kids deal with and we deal with as families that they don't have to, they don't deal with. So in some ways, I was going to say that my, my, my practice is fairly young. I, I do have a lot of um, adolescents, but my practice is fairly young. So this is a conversation that I have every single day. Um, 50% of the population I serve is African-American. About 50% is white or other. And I can tell you that Regardless of race, people struggle. People in our society struggle with discipline. And one of the reasons why they struggle with discipline is because it's okay to be permissive. And when Mm -hmm. you are authoritative, you are mean. You're a bad parent. Um, You're perceived as the the one who doesn't have control. And I I think some of the people who... who, um, who changed viewpoints of parenting, what's his name, Dr. Sears, some of these other pediatricians who have written things about how you should behave with your, with your children and let the child express himself. And I believe in all that, okay? But I think part of the problem is that from a little age, probably 15, 18 months old, I will see these kids in the office and the mom is trying to, let's just say, change a diaper, 
And the kid is just moving all over the table. And I'm thinking, this kid's going to fall and hurt themselves. And the parent looks at me and says, what should I do? And I'm thinking, you're two feet taller than this person. You you know, but nobody wants to be the bad guy in our society. And then what happens is these little kids who are 15, 18 months, two years, three years old, they grow up and they're five and six, and now they're bigger than you. My my 13-year-old is four and a half inches taller than me. I'm not spanking Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times the work is not being put in when these children are very small, they're allowed because there's this idea in our society that you should be very open and just permissive is the only word I can use to describe it. It's like anything goes. The kid wants your phone. Okay, okay, you can have my phone. Just be quiet. Um, That kind of parenting by the time you get a toddler three or four years old just doesn't work. So that's when we start having this conversation about spanking. And I think it, that's when it, it really comes in. We're not really talking about 15- and 16-year-olds. We're talking about those kids who are in the middle group. And it's just because people sometimes don't want to put in the work. And so they end up spanking as a last resort or as a, out of frustration. So the conversation really is not about parenting. I mean, not about spanking. It's about parenting. It got defaulted to spanking, but the conversation is really about parenting. So I have that conversation every day. What to do? And I think that, and I think that's a, I think that's an excellent point, right? Because you talk about, I mean, there's a spectrum of discipline. Corporal punishment happens to be one, on that spectrum of discipline. But like you said, like it, I think it, I think that's very true, right? It comes down to parenting and how do we, how do we help? help parents help their kids thrive, right? And I think taking those cultures, from, from what I've heard from the discussion, I think taking into account some of the, the systemic racism, cultural context, the individual child, and the nuances of knowing your child, right? That's when there's an opportunity or there, the AAP has an opportunity to kind of look at those intersections and really have a true conversation about how do we really help parents help their kids, right, in a, in, a, in a way, like, again, going back to helping them thrive. Yeah, and how, and how about we accept and understand that not all kids are the same and are going to respond to the same mm-hmm. directives, and all right. parents aren't the same. Uh, what parenting style may work for this person, it may not work for me or it may not work for my kids. Um, I, I happen to be of the belief that when, if you if you start when they're really little and when they're young, so I'll give an example. Um, my mother let me know that when I was very young, when I was little, whenever we went over someone's house, she didn't have, there was no childproofing the house. Um, they didn't put things away. They didn't lock cabinets. They didn't, just, you knew not to touch it. If you touched it, there were consequences. And so what my mother said to me was, okay, so when you have your children, I'm just telling you the same thing your kids aren't going to come over my house and touch things, bother things, go in places where they aren't supposed to be. Your kids should know where the boundaries are and what the boundaries are and that there are consequences if they don't. And so, and we did that. We never, we never uh, put things away. All the knickknacks and things that are out on our table have always been that way. We didn't lock cabinets. Um, we didn't do a lot of the things that we we tell people to do in their anticipatory guidance with parents um, because I just kind of felt that if I put those boundaries out there for my kids, 
And if they understood that there were consequences, if they went beyond those boundaries, and really they weren't, they're not, like you don't, the punishment needs to fit whatever the crime is, just for lack of a better word. Um, Sometimes just a little thump on the knuckle, just a little, just a little something so that they know and you tell them, no, that's not acceptable. They learn and they get the message. And as they're growing up, you don't have to worry about it when they're seven, eight, nine years old that you have to thank them. By then, generally, they pretty much respect your uh, directives and and you don't have to, um, I I think it's easier um, as, as Dr. Buffington was saying when they're younger. So, you know, again, I think understanding and accepting that there are different styles of parenting that because I choose to parent my kids this way doesn't make me a bad parent when I can look and say, well, I don't think I have a low IQ. I'm a pediatrician. Um, you know, well, I think I'm pretty, I think I mean, that would be pretty normal. It's such a ridiculous statement. It's such a ridiculous statement. Isn't it? It makes you laugh. Just, you know, it's just, it's like the head circumference argument. It's just so ridiculous right. to think that. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement, but they're using that. And I look at, um, you know, look at my kids. They're all doing very well. And for you to, and then for you to put a directive out and say that if you use these methods of parenting, you're a bad parent and your kids are going to come out bad um, because you use these methods. And I think if we understand that within certain, just as, as Shante was saying, in certain, I'm in rural South and I take care of primarily adolescents. I love that age group, but I'm in the rural South and some of our conversations are really very different. I agree uh, in the rural, I don't care where you are. If you're in rural America, you're struggling. Um, mm-hmm. academically, mm-hmm. Um, for mm-hmm. a, a job opportunities. There are all sorts of risk factors that face these kids um, that may be a little bit more prevalent in rural communities. So, you know, I even think that that wasn't even taken into account when we make these statements about how kids should be raised, um, just looking at the environment they're in and the tools that parents have to to discipline their kids or, or how they want to do them. And I think that would be one way that as an organization, we can help the people that we provide care for, the parents and the kids, because we have two sets of patients, right? We have parents and we have kids, um, is to be able to acknowledge cultural differences, to acknowledge parenting styles. And if you're going to say people who are authoritative or use corporal punishment, then you need to also say that parents that are free-range parents and permissive parents are also have cons to those parenting styles can kind of cause harm to their kids. So, you know, I'm just saying there's a balance. And, and, and to demonize one way of parenting when there's four, five, six different styles of parenting, to just deem this one is so, you know, evil that we have to come out with this big statement, um, I, I just think doesn't do us um, it doesn't help us as pediatricians to be able to provide the best care and recommendations for our families. Mm-hmm. I think this will Agreed. be a... And, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I have a colleague, I'm not going to say her name, but she was struggling with her three-year-old, she was three-year-old uh, twins, and every day she'd come to my office, what should I do, what should I do? I said, you know what, I finally said, you just need just, just one good time, yes. just, just a little tap, 
and things will get better. And she looked at me. Mm-hmm. Remember, she's a pediatrician also and kind right. of anti-spanking, but from the South. And um, two weeks later, she, she came down the hall and she said, you know what? I took your advice. Thank you. <laughs> I should think Is better. Yes, yes, they are. Um, I, I, I just, I, I think the, every single aspect of the policy needs to be more well-defined. And I certainly think that it should not target any part, particular group, whether it's uh, African-American or lower socioeconomic, rural, any demographic. Um, this one clearly, clearly targets a, a group of people. And I think for that reason, it makes it uh, wrong on so many levels. And if, you, if you're going to address that particular issue, you have to address a bunch of others. Exactly. I just want to um, just make fun, make a just little light thing. One of the things when my kids were all small and um, I had a little ruler and the ruler on the back of the ruler, <laughs> I had the name. The, the ruler had a name. The ruler's name was Mr. Do Right. Um, <laughs> so he was M-R and then he was D-O and his last name R-I-G-H-T. And it was a little ruler, one of those little plastic rulers. And um, so what I would tell them is we're, we're going out, we're out. If I have to tell you more than once to do something that you shouldn't be doing, then I'm going to have to bring, out, bring this out so Mr. Do-Right can show you the right way that you need to behave. And all I would have to do, so a couple of times I tapped them a couple of times with it, you know, so that they got the message. And, you know, after a while they got they got. They understood if they weren't paying attention or if they weren't minding me, if they were trying to act up, I would just, you know, Mr. Do-Right was in my purse. And I would just kind of bring him up a little bit, and I would just have him look at it, Mr. Do-Right. They would sit right at attention, and people would say, how do you get your kids to sit so still? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like one of those, um, like you said, it's just one of those things that you can do. It's a suggestion. I've made that suggestion to parents many times. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives you and, a sense and, of control. Isn't that, a, isn't that a, uh, a behavioral modification? That is a behavioral Absolutely. modification. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, like, you know, each, not my daughter, she's the one, she pretty much did whatever she was told, but, you know, the boys can be a little bit more rambunctious. And if you got a couple taps and you understood that if you, weren't paying attention or you weren't doing what I told you to do or you weren't following my directions, Mr. Do-Right was going to come out. You're exactly right. It changed behavior, modified behavior. And as they got older, you, you know, you don't even need to do that. You give them, you know, you just, you just tell them we're going in here. This is how you want to behave. And, and, it's, and, it's, and I'm saying I don't think my kids are scarred for life. My kids aren't aggressive. None of my, you, none of my children ever got into fights in school. I mean, they, all these things, they, they try to label kids who, uh, you know, who receive corporal punishment as part of the discipline in their home. I just, I just don't know where they get all this from and, and not take into effect, maybe, uh, not take into account other factors that may contribute to those kids' behaviors. But my kids were never aggressive or hit other kids. Or Matter of fact, I'll tell you, the ones that had the parents that were permissive or free-range that never gave the kids directions, those were the kids that were biting other kids, hitting other kids, spitting on other kids. Those are the kids 
um, and I'm, there's data to back that up, those are the kids that, that actually are the ones that have the behavioral issues. And let's be honest, this is an almost impossible study to do. I mean, you can do it, mm-hmm. but you would have to control mm-hmm. for quite a number of factors Absolutely. before you would be able to come to any logical scientific conclusion with a p-value that makes sense, you've got to control right. for a lot of factors. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. So I, think, so I think this has been a, been a very informative conversation. And I think, again, I think this is, I think what's left is that there really is more that has to be done. And what I'm getting from, like, more, more information has to be provided, more context, more cultural, cultural context and sensitivity around the discussion of Spanking, not spanking, because it's it's just not it's not just a cut and dry spanking or not spanking. I think there are other there are other factors. It's multifactorial, and I think that and I do think there's probably more to come. But I guess just to be you know just to just to play fairness, well not necessarily fairness, but I know there are parents who definitely would abide by this policy, and you know mm-hmm. really think that spanking, you know they they've chosen not to spank and they've never spanked. Um, I'm. And I and I think if, if that's if that if that's what works for for those parents, I think that's I think that's important. But I think it's a, there mm-hmm. there is an opportunity um, to really have have some of these deeper conversations that that this opens. Mm-hmm. Right. And I do like the comment. But we were I think we were talking about a little bit before we um, started our formal conversation. Um, I know as a pediatrician, um, I had different views and different thoughts about parenting before I had children, mm-hmm. um, and especially by the time the third one came around, I just had a whole different concept of, 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 of what I thought um, I should be doing to make sure I raised nice, healthy, happy kids. And I think, um, you know, for us, we talk to other parents, we are parents, and, you know, we evolve too. Um, we're, you know, we're humans. We evolve too, but I will certainly say having children in my home 24-7 that are mine, that I can't give back to the neighbor, I can't give back to my relative, that they're actually my children, sort of, you know, uh, you know I made a stand that, um, you know, I, my children need to be able to pay attention, uh, understand directions, uh, be good and respectful which is what is ingrained in, in all of us. Um, and I felt the way that, um, you know, I, my husband and I, we both, even though we're from different places, we have very similar uh, styles that we were raised and we are 100% in agreement on how we discipline our kids. And I, it worked for us. And I, I don't think that I should be deemed a bad parent um, because I chose to use some method of corporal punishment in addition to other forms of discipline. And I, and I think that's where, where we really could help parents. Um, I, I will say this, there are more parents, I, I agree with Dr. Buffington made this comment earlier, more parents um, use corporal punishment than they want to admit because they don't want to have their kids taken away from them or be seen as bad parents. I think those parents need some support and some guidance. Mm-hmm. As to maybe when you kind of go overboard and maybe when a spanking might be appropriate or when they get too old. I don't, I agree. I'm not, you know, when my 
son's got to be tainted. We're, I'm, we're not going to fight. I'm not, we're not doing that. But what we will do is we'll take the keys from the car or we'll mm-hmm. take away the PlayStation 4 or you'll read Which is a behavioral modification. That's yeah. Which is a behavioral, behavioral modification. modification. Right. And, and I, and I'm doing We that. come back to that. Yeah, yeah, right. And I, yeah. We, but I think what's, what I think what's, you know, again, what I think what you're alluding to as well is that, right, you know, there, there's this toolbox, right? You got to know what, yes. what tool to use, when to use a hammer, when to use mm-hmm. a screwdriver, when mm-hmm. to use that's a right. wrench. Okay, that's what the extent of my tool knowledge, right? But, but, mm-hmm. I, but also to this, <laughs> I think development also, developmental stages also inform how we work mm-hmm. with, work with parents. And I think some of the, some of the value we have as, as, as our profession, that again, like we can really help and, and guide parents as well as um, be a resource for them so that they, to help them determine, you know, what are the best tools to use? And again, also keeping in mind develop, developmental, developmental stages and how, how you... But Jackie, if you have a toolbox, if you have a toolbox, you have to, you can't use a wrench when you're supposed to use a hammer. Right. And you and you can't use Definitely. a screwdriver when you're supposed to use a nail because plenty of people use timeout and they do it all wrong. I see the kid in the timeout. <laughs> they're like, "You're in timeout. Dog, don't talk to me. No, 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 no. Stay there. Stay there." You know. And I'm thinking that kid's not in timeout. So that kid's I mean, not in timeout. That's, that's the kid's not in timeout. So you've got, but it's not just the toolbox. It's teaching parents how to use a screwdriver or an Allen wrench. What, what time, you know, in Target, guess what? If I'm in Target with my kid, I'm not going to thank you. I have a different mm-hmm. method for, in Target, I have a different method, a different behavioral modification than I might have mm-hmm. if you ran across the street and there was a bus coming and you almost got hit. There's a, it's a right. totally different uh, tool. Absolutely. I think, the problem, the real, the real problem is that none of the tools really get expanded in the AAP. It's like, here, you can do this, 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 this, this. Um, and so, I, again, I find myself te- te- every day teaching parents, okay, if you're going to do a timeout, don't talk to the kid. How <laughs> are you doing a timeout and y'all are talking? You can't argue. And you're arguing with the kid. <laughs> right. That's not how it works. The same way if, you, if you're spanking your child, and you're using an electrical cord or, uh, I don't know, the back, you know, something crazy and the kids got marks true. all over them, that's mm-hmm. actually not a thinking. That's a, that's straight up child abuse. Exactly. Um, it, you know, so I, again, you got to expand that toolbox and you got to teach people how to use it the same way when you say, how do you use this bottle? You got to sometimes teach the mom how many scoops and how much water. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. really have to go through that because some people get it wrong. So, exactly right. you know, I think that's where the, the AAP has really gone wrong with this one. Um, but it, but it can agree. be salvaged. I think they should. I think it would be really nice if the policy was revisited. And, again, I'm going to add, I'm just going to stick in um, just behind you, Shante. I'm just going to stick in behind there and to understand that we don't raise our kids in a vacuum. Um, that they go to school, they're around other kids, they're in different situations where they need to know how to behave appropriately, whatever that is. And I think that's another thing that people forget, that we aren't just, they're not being raised in a vacuum. I think we'll leave it at that. I think there will be, like I said, there will be ongoing discussion, and my hopes are that, that 
that there will be ongoing discussion um, from the American County of Pediatrics about, like you said, Dr. Bovington, expanding the policy, and it is salvageable. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we mm-hmm. do our best to give the guidance that, you know, again, it's a general statement, and we have to look at the nuances of each family. Each family is different. Child developmentally is different. Each child is different. So mm-hmm. what a come. And this, is, this has been a great conversation. I'm so honored that you all um, have taken the time to speak with me today and, and give some enlightenment and some perspective. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you, Jackie. Great. Thank you for listening to this episode of What is Black Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Until next time.